Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer, a podcast series where our experts discuss the latest market developments and put the headlines in perspective to set you up for the coming day. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. My name is Mike Rauber. I'm an investment writer at Julius Baer in Zurich, and I'm delighted to be joined today by my teammate, Lucia Tchuchulovic, who has all the latest on the market action over the past hours, Thomas Kaflisch, head of FX and Precious Metal Solutions, and among others, the euro at a 20-year low, Sipo Arnsen, next-generation research on digital assets and important regulatory progress this week, so let's get started. I hand over to you, Lucia, for the markets wrap. Please go ahead. Thank you, Mike, and good morning, everyone. Over in Asia, former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was shot during a campaign event today, shocking a nation where political violence and guns are rare. Stocks in Asia paired a climb, and the yen strengthened after the shooting injected uncertainty into the trading session. The incident also bolstered the US dollar and treasuries, while US and European equity futures fell. Before the shooting, the market sentiment was actually rather good, supported by the possibility of a 1.5 trillion yuan stimulus in China. This sum is equivalent to around 220 billion US dollars. In other major news yesterday, Boris Johnson announced his intention to re-sign as UK Prime Minister, bowing to the inevitable, after the mass resignation of members of his government and the public attacks on his judgment and leadership. However, he is seeking to remain as caretaker Prime Minister until October, when a new Tory leader will be in place. Now looking at the stock markets, US equities finished higher in yesterday's trading session with the S&P 500 index closing positively for the fourth day. Energy stocks led gains during regular trading as the price of oil reversed from a recent dip yesterday. Here in Europe, stocks closed sharply higher yesterday, building on gains in the previous session. UK's FTSE 100 index closed the day up 1.1%. And as mentioned earlier, Asian shares paired an earlier rally today and stock futures for the US and Europe edged lower. In fixed income, portions of the US yield curve remain inverted, stoking concerns that the threat of a recession is elevated. High bond volatility also points to uncertainty. All eyes will therefore be on the US jobs report today for clues about the Fed's policy path. Now, in commodity-related news, oil is trading mixed these days, as investors remain torn between worries over tight global supplies and fears a recession could dampen oil demand. It is slightly up this morning. Gold, meanwhile, is trading rather flat. And in crypto, while crypto investors are usually known for their devotion, their confidence is somewhat cracking following news that customers of bankrupt broker Voyager Digital likely won't get all their money back. Bitcoin is currently trading close to the 22,000 US dollar mark. So what can we expect for the day ahead? So all eyes are on the US June employment report that is due today. It is expected to show another month of strong hiring as the labor market bucks any sign of an impending recession or economic slowdown. 
Economists expect that the U.S. economy added 250,000 jobs last month and that the unemployment rate will remain flat at 3.6%, according to Dow Jones. And with that, I wish you good luck for the day ahead and hand back to you, Mike. Thank you very much, Lucia. Now on to the world of currencies. This week, the euro hit a 20-year low against the U.S. dollar. Thomas, what is your take on the euro's weakness? Or should we rather say dollar strength? Well, probably it's both, Mike. Good morning, everybody. A cocktail of negative drivers has accumulated to a very negative sentiment, especially towards Europe and the euro. The ECB still seems hesitant, saying goodbye to negative rates, and also doesn't seem to agree on an effective anti-fragmentation tool. Bundesbank President Joachim Nagel mentioned last Monday that such a tool would have to be reserved for exceptional circumstances only and be used under narrowly defined conditions. Defining these circumstances and conditions might prove to be very difficult and a disappointing outcome is more likely than not. At the same time, increasing worries about the natural gas supply in Europe weighed on sentiment. The market fears that the most important gas pipeline, Nord Stream 1, will remain shut after the current maintenance work ends on the 21st of July. It is exactly this date which gets most attention in the market. The ECB also meets on that day, and should they really disappoint, and gas does not start flowing again through Nord Stream 1, parity for Eurodollar seems a done deal. What could turn things around for, the Euro, for Europe and the Euro? A ceasefire between Ukraine and Russia would of course be a game-changer. Or pan-European debt issuance as an answer to the energy crisis could also turn things around. And of course, if the ECB hikes by 50 basis points and presents a powerful anti-fragmentation tool. However, all these measures don't seem to be likely for the moment. So, the dollar is clearly king in this environment. Although an overly strengthening in the US dollar against the Swiss franc, for instance, may also attract the attention of this well-respected institution near Berkeleyplatz in Zurich, otherwise known as the Swiss National Bank, as a weak Swiss franc translates into higher import prices and inflation. In such uncertain times, capital-protected notes offer an attractive risk-return relationship. Thanks to the higher dollar rates, a protection level of 100% is possible and the product still offers a participation of 100% or more on the underlying as long as the knockout is not touched. That's all from FX. Back to you, Mike. Thank you very much, Thomas. Please note that we published this week short to the point podcast titled Currency Matters on our Beyond Markets channel and for German speakers warum Währungen so wichtig sind, on the Marktanalysen und Gespräche Channel. In fact, the German version is with Thomas Kavlisch, who you just heard. So please tune in. The podcasts are available on all the usual channels, as well as our JB Investment Insights app. Now over to digital assets with SIPO. The EU has approved a long-awaited legislation on crypto. What is it and what is your take? Thank you, Mike. Now, you know, given the recent volatility in crypto markets following the recent collapse of the Terra USD stablecoin, which, you know, for context, saw more than 40 billion US dollars in value destroyed in only a matter of days, 
a topic that was already, you know, a focus in the digital asset space, but is even more top of mind now is that of regulation. So, you know, how can you effectively regulate digital asset markets without inhibiting the sort of innovative and disruptive potential of the technology? Now, in recent regulatory developments, policymakers in the European Union agreed on, you know, the landmark market in crypto assets regulation, which is a common legislative framework aimed at regulating digital assets and their sort of associated service providers in the bloc's 27 member states. Now, maybe just to provide some historical context here, you know, this piece of regulation was first put forward in September 2020 and largely in response to the mushrooming of initial coin offerings that, you know, had resulted in several consumers losing their investments. Um, and, you know, this legislation had been debated for nearly two years with agreement amongst member states finally being reached um, late last week. Now, what are the key takeaways from this legislation? So, you know, first of all, the legislation provides a comprehensive framework on how the asset class will be regulated with, you know, key focal areas being the regulation of crypto asset service providers or CASPs, um, consumer protection, as well as environmental limitations on crypto mining activities. Now, the main focus of these environmental limitations is clearly on blockchains utilizing the proof of work consensus mechanism, such as Bitcoin, which utilize a disproportionately high amount of energy. Now, additionally, you know, the perceived use of digital assets for illicit activities remains a real sort of challenge to institutional adoption. Now, as part of the regulation, anti-money laundering concerns were also addressed with, you know, the European Securities and Markets Authority, also known as ESMA, given the responsibility to maintain a public registry where all non-compliant um, service providers who provide unauthorized services will be listed. Now, for digital assets issuers, the legislation also includes the requirement for issuers of new digital assets to publish a sort of prospectus-style document or white paper, which you know, really details all the technical information of the blockchain, its native token, and all other related elements of the project's ecosystem. Additionally, you know, issuers of stable coins will be required to hold a certain threshold of reserves in a you know, very similar manner to what banks or other financial institutions would be required to do. Now, you know, of course, the strong focus on stable coins is particularly timely as, you know, what I mentioned before, the composition of reserves of stablecoin issuers remains really top of mind following the, you know, recent high profile collapse of one of the largest stablecoins in the ecosystem. Now, to wrap up, what does that mean and does that change our view in any way? You know, I think the regulation really reinforces our view that, you know, liberal countries with sort of trusted institutions are much more likely to enact constructive regulation on cryptos which is, you know, in contrast to countries with weaker institutions, weaker currencies and structurally higher levels of inflation, for which we see a significantly higher likelihood of outright bans. Now, you know, while many crypto purists view regulation as a threat, we believe that constructive engagement with regulators by crypto service providers will, you know, ultimately instill trust and foster more adoption of digital assets, particularly amongst the institutional investor base. That's all from my side. Thank you very much, Sipo. With that, we conclude today's episode of the Moving Markets podcast. Thank you very much to our speakers, and thank you for tuning in. 
We do hope that you'll look out on Monday for the next edition of the Moving Markets podcast. Goodbye for now. You have been listening to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Baer, our people, or our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbaer.com. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation, or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives, or other products, or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept any liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbaer.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information.